0: Hey, before I uh, have the privilege of introducing our, uh, our guest tonight, I just wanted to encourage you. They're, they're, you. You want me to do a dance? There's strobe in me. Best robot? I can do it. My children are going, please, if there was a God in heaven, right? Um, if, if, uh, if you've been with us for any amount of time, you've heard us talk about Food for the Hungry for a long time. We've made a 10-year commitment. Uh, to a village there. We send missions teams there. But one of the ways that we support them is through child sponsorship. And so we just encourage you, if you call this your church home, pick up one of these packets. Rebecca, raise your hand. She's gonna be out there by the Welcome Center at the end of the service. These packets, you can take them home. I think it's like 32 or $35 a month. We have a child that we've been sponsoring for years now. It's such a meaningful way, especially if you've got kids, to talk to them about how the rest of the world lives. And it's also a powerful way for you to have a fathership Presence in the life of a child who might not have one. So I just want to encourage you. This would be a great weekend, Father's Day. Would be a great gift for your dads to do that together as a family. So, you know, when we started looking for a fellowship for our church to be a part of, we, we looked at a lot of different a lot of a lot of different groups. And, and one of the reasons why we we wanted to 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 find something is because we believe in this principle that every church should be a part of something bigger than itself. Every church should be a part. Of something bigger than itself for accountability, for encouragement, for staff to be able to get away to a conference to get refreshed and rejuvenated for when you're facing big decisions or entering into to new seasons that are that you've not been through before. You can call up seasoned people and they can help guide you. And 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 we set out on Elam Fellowship for lots of reasons, but I just wanted to give you three quick ones. One was this is that we wanted to find a group who celebrated a leadership culture of authenticity and sincerity. And we found that with Elam Fellowship. That the Part of the culture of their leadership is to both serve and love people. It's not about hierarchy. It's about serving and loving people. The second one is that we wanted to find a group that didn't just pay lip service to women in ministry and to women leading ministry, but we wanted to find a group that championed women in ministry and women leading ministry, and we found that in Elam Fellowship. And the last one is this, is that we wanted to find a movement that believed that the next generation, that their time is now. Not, not a group that says, you've got to wait your turn like I did, but a group that says to the next generation and the generation after that, that their time is now to lead, to have a sense of ownership, to be involved and participate. And those things would not be a part of Elam Fellowship if it were not for Pastor Chris Ball, his visionary leadership that he brings as the president of Elam Fellowship. So it's our great privilege and our honor to invite him to come and share the word with us tonight. So give Pastor Chris a warm City Life welcome as he comes.
1: Wow, this is an awesome privilege for me to be here. I just really uh, appreciate the reasons that he just shared that he joined Elam Fellowship uh, because uh, that is my heart. If I were to stand up here now and try to promote what Elam Fellowship is, and some of you might con- uh, be confused a little bit, Elam Fellowship. Uh, is not the Bible school. Elam Fellowship is a movement. A lot of times when people say, hey, this is the president of Elam, they think I'm the president of the Bible school, which we've had a Bible school since uh, 1924. That school was formed to, to send out missionaries all around the world, train young people for end time revival and sending people out. And as a result of that, uh, they felt like, man, we, we, we have pastors and leaders being trained up that want to stay and uh, build churches and build ministries here in the US. So they formed a fellowship that would help not only send missionaries, but also support teams just like your pastors, here at uh, in, in Newport News. And so that's Elon Fellowship. I'm the president of that, and we have right now about 186 churches. We have 146 missionary units all around the world. We have 917 17 credential holders that are pastors, youth leaders, all kinds of people that are uh, being supported by Elon Fellowship. And uh, I'm just excited to be here. This is like coming home for me. I don't know if it's been told to you this, uh, but my wife Carol, this is my wife, Carol over here we pastored together, uh, give it up i guess and uh, <laughs> and but we pastored for twenty seven years in a small little town, population one hundred and twenty seven three thousand cows i mean it, it was it 's just crazy where we pastored, and uh, when we got to that church, it was a small uh, little uh, church that was very, very conservative they they, it was what we call high church where they genuflected, lit candles, three hymns out the door. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and that's, that's what we went. And for two years, we just loved those people, cared for those people, and uh, we just turned the church over to two people that we discipled and mentored, uh, a husband and wife team just like us, poured into them and left to become the president of Elon Fellowship. And it, it's been a, a, a real transition for us, uh, having a family that we deeply cared about for all those years and then releasing that so that we could do what I'm doing here. But the reason I say it's coming back home, I, I, I was born in England. In 1969, I came over on a ship with my family. My sister is here tonight, uh, my younger sister and uh, her husband. We came over and we landed in Newport News. Okay, I, I, I went to Deer Park School, uh, I was at Deer Park School in the third, third and fourth grade, fourth grade first, then I went to third grade, <laughs> because I couldn't read cursive writing, and uh, and so that they put me back so I could learn cursive then my parents didn't like America so we went all the way back because they couldn't stand those Americans and, uh, and, and went all the way back to England came back again and then relocated into Hampton, Virginia where I went to Jeff Davis and graduated from Bethel High School Bruins, come on and uh, I know there 's some h i people Hampton Institute and Hampton high School people, but uh, Bruins is the way and uh, but but literally grew up, got saved at a Baptist church on Marcello Road, invited Christ to f- uh, become uh, a part of my life now all of my life. How about that huh? And here I am now, crazy life, but this is what, what, what this is a, like a real high for me because this is the first time, first time. Since I left here, that I've spoken in a church in Virginia, right here. This is the first time. This is the first time I've been invited back right here. This is like amazing to me, man. And uh, and it's Father's Day. And uh, and and what's really cool is you know when you um, when when you we're traveling now. Every single weekend, me and my wife are in different churches. We're uh, doing what we can to touch people's lives all around. And uh, and and. uh, who invites people in for Father's Day? I'll tell you, radical people. That's who, that's, that's, I mean, you know, I, 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 mean, I, I would hardly ever probably do an Easter service ever again because nobody gives that up. But to, to come on Father's Day, I'm like, that's, this is pretty cool, man. So God is really answering a lot of things that I'll, I, I did for 27 Father's Days. You see what I'm saying? And now he allowed me to come here tonight, and uh, I'm just very excited about being here. I also have a friend who is visiting me. He grew up, I, I got, uh, I used to travel, in fact, listen to this, I used to travel around, I was a percussionist, that was what I did. I mean, that was my life. Come on, baby. All right? And, uh, and, and I traveled around, and listen to this, I was in the Southern Baptist Church, I used to play in the Liberty Baptist Christmas play every year. Their, and I played drums in this church one time, way way back, because I used to be you know a Baptist boy, you know, and uh, and go around. So this is fun. I mean, this is like totally out of the box fun for me, and, and I'm excited. When uh, when I talked to Pastor Fred, uh, it, 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 is that how you go, Pastor Fred? That, that sounds cool. Okay. And when I talked to him about uh, coming in here, and he asked me if I would even actually uh, write a, um, a a message on Father's Day, it, it was really. Meaningful for me, and I, and I feel like the Lord's given me a word tonight that will speak to not just fathers. I just want you to know uh, I am a father, Carol, and I. We have uh, she did all the work, but you know, I helped her out there. Uh, and uh, we have three children. I mean, I, I caused it, I better have caused it, and uh, and, uh, and but she took it, you know, and uh, and so uh, uh, we have three children Sarah. And she is a, a youth pastor with her husband in Syracuse, New York. And then Josiah, he's stuck trying to get here, stuck on the traffic uh, coming back from Virginia Beach. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he, he's, he, he never grew up here. Okay, and uh, so he's stuck, and uh, he's, he's radical. He is, like, totally rad. And I don't know if that's a word today, but anyway. And then, and then we have um, uh, Elijah. Uh, Josiah's gotten married also uh, about a year ago, almost a year ago. And then Sarah, I mean, uh, Elijah just got engaged. So I can't wait for him to leave. It's going to be like rocking and rolling in the house. I can't wait. You know what I'm saying? Release those kids so we can have fun. All right, and uh, I paid for all of them to go to college. They need to get out. In Jesus' name. <laughs> uh, so that's my family, and it's really an honor to be here. I, I'd like if you if you're following the Bible, I'm gonna I'm gonna speak in just a minute from um, from Genesis chapter 27, and I titled my message. The Father's blessing. The Father's blessing. And um, uh, uh, Carol and I are literally, like uh, two weeks ago, I was in Maryland. Three weeks ago, I was in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, about five weeks ago, Carol and I, somewhere around there, she'll tell you the exact day and time and moment. But, but sometime in the past uh, month or so, we were doing a marriage conference in, Bro- in the Bronx. You don't say Bronx, you say the Bronx. And so we were doing this marriage conference in the in the Bronx, and I'm, I was teaching, and it was like, uh, you know, 60 couples there, all in this room. And I'm teaching away, and I'm pumping it out, and all of a sudden, somebody sneezed, and I kid you not, every single person in that room, all in unison said, God bless you. I'm like... I think I could conjure up a sneeze here. You know what I'm saying? It was like they got more attention from the sneeze than I did. And I already knew that that's not really good, that they got more attention from the sneeze. But right then, I'm not kidding you, right then in that moment, because I kind of had a little bit of ADD personality, ADD personality. And uh, right there in that moment, the Lord said to me, I want you to speak about my blessing, my father's blessing to that church in Newport News, Virginia. I guarantee it that's where it happened, because I'm thinking, where did that come from? And I looked it up, And, and, and the truth is, is in '8590 you can Google this in '8590, Pope Gregory I ordered uh, unceasing prayer for divine intercession, because there was a plague in Italy at that time. And he said, "This is your requirement. Any time you hear somebody sneeze, you need to say. God bless you. That's where it came from. Who knew? You know what I'm saying? And they did that so long that 150 years later, without the plague, people have carried on for centuries to say, God bless you, when somebody sneezes. Isn't that crazy? And, uh, and it, Now, there are traditions that say it was there before, that if you, see, if you, uh, if, if you sneeze, uh, you have a demon. So, but we're not into that here, okay? Uh, you you might have just hung out in front of the fan too long. But... Uh, and then, and then Germans came along and said, Gesundheit, right? And that basically means good health, good health. So God bless you, God bless you. I was thinking about God bless you. I was thinking about the Father's heart to bless. The Father's heart to bless. I wanna to talk to you about a spoken blessing. A spoken blessing that's actually in the Bible. In fact, if you look throughout the Bible, you see uh, that all the way throughout the Bible, there's blessing. There's spoken blessings all the way out through the whole Bible, the entire Bible. It started in Genesis. After God created, in verse 27, he created animals and he said, Now God bless them. And said, be fruitful and multiply. Verse 28 and following, he, he, he blessed and created man and woman. And he said, um, bless you, be fruitful and multiply, which is my favorite commandment, to be fruitful and multiply. You'll get that in just a minute, okay? But it is. It's, it only happens that way. All right, moving on. What is a blessing? What is a spoken blessing? A spoken blessing is a positive biblical statement that invokes the blessing of God in the the life of another. Do you know that our words have the potential, according to the scripture, of life and death? My father and mother brought me up right here in Hampton, Virginia, and I remember the phrase. We just heard a bunch of phrases right there, right? I remember the phrase. Say it with me. Sticks and what? Stones may what? Break your bones, but what? names and words and whatever will never hurt you that's not true that's an absolute lie i know people today that live at a limited level because of the fact that somebody spoke ugliness into their life but i want you to know something we have a heavenly father that wants to speak blessing into our lives and if we're going to be good dads if we're going to be good fathers watch this now if we're going to be good followers of jesus we need to learn from that father about our words we need to learn how we can become a blessing, and so when I'm speaking to, to, tonight, I, I want you to know that, that I really believe that the power of life and death in the tongue, we need to be people who speak life, speak life into people, and I believe that's the heart of God. That's, that's what God wants to do. And, uh, there's, if you, if you study this out in the Greek, it actually basically says that there are two Greek words. Now I'm going to give you a teaching from the old Testament, which is Hebrew or Arabic, but, or Aramaic, excuse me, but, but in the, in the new Testament, when you start talking about this whole concept of, 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 blessing, there are two basically Greek words for that word blessing. It's one of the cool things about the English word, words. We use one word and there's sometimes many words that are given to us through different Greek words. And one is, uh, uh, it's, uh, it's like uh, uligo, which is where we get eulogy, the word eulogy. And it means to speak well of. So if you're doing a eulogy, now you know why when people do a eulogy, they always are lying and telling something positive about everybody. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but I'm not invoking lying at all. And then the other word is makarios. I think I'm saying these right. I, I, I know about that much Greek. Uh, and that is to bestow favor, to bestow favor. I believe that God wants to bestow favor on people that are around us. I think the heart of blessing people is not just to speak well of, but he wants us to be a people. He wants fathers to their children uh, to be able to bestow favor upon people who are around us. Blessing. In the story that I'm going to talk about, it's found in Genesis chapter 27. Genesis chapter 27 in your Bible. So you can turn it on or look at it like this. But basically, in Genesis 27, we have four characters in the story. It's it's a crazy story. Now, I'm not going to focus too much on the craziness, but I am going to focus on the blessing that came from Isaac's mouth, the Father Blessing. And as I look at that blessing, I believe God's got a word for us tonight that we can, as fathers, begin to say, how can we practice this? It doesn't matter how old our children are, but there's something in this spoken blessing blessing from Isaac to Jacob that I think we can learn from. It's a crazy story for those of you who may not be familiar with the scripture. uh, And I'm not going to go after explaining the craziness and what happened there. But basically, you have four characters. You have uh, Jacob... Esau, Isaac the daddy, and Rebecca the mommy. Are you with me? And what happened is, is uh, these two boys were twins, right? They they got they were born pretty much on the same day, and uh, out comes Esau, and then he's gra- uh, I mean, and then uh, Jacob comes out grabbing the heel. This is you know at their birth date, and uh, they called him Grabber. That's what Jacob means. So if your name's Jacob, you're a Grabber. <laughs> Stay away, ladies. Uh, okay, just a thought. <laughs> Uh, but, but Jacob was his name, and Jacob was cunning. He was a crazy dude, and uh, he had already stolen, watch this now, because people confuse the blessing from the birthright. He had stolen the birthright of Esau. Esau was out working because he was a hairy man. I don't know why, but he was out there working in the field, and, and Jacob actually was cooking a dinner. And, uh, and Esau came in and he said to him, uh, he says, uh, man, that looks like some good stew. And this is in the story, this is in chapter 25 and earlier. But basically he, he, he comes on and says, if you want some of this, give me your birthright. Which basically the oldest son in the family was given the right birthright to have uh, really, all the possessions in double fold. At a double fold, you know, he was the one that most. He was the one that would be held responsible to carry on the farm for the father and the family. That's that's the birthright. But Jacob kind of gets in there and confuses him and makes a deal with him, and he ends up giving his birthright to just because he's hungry. Be careful what you give away when you're hungry. Be careful what you give away when you're when you're when you're when you're so hungry for something that maybe God's not hungry for you to have. Be careful. But this is years later. Because Isaac at this time is about 137 years if you study the history of the Bible. He's 137 years old. Wow. And he's all of a sudden, it says in chapter 27, verse 1, he says, My eyes are dim and I'm starting to get ready to die. Let me paraphrase it. I want to give you my last will and testament. I want to give you not the birthright, but I want to give you my last words. As a pastor, I've probably done 400 funerals. When you're in a small town of 127, you become a regional pastor. And after 27 years, you become a pastor that everybody really comes to love and care about if you're you're a good lover of people. And as a result of that, whenever people had somebody pass away that didn't have a pastor, I was called in. Many times I was called in right before they were dying in a hospital. It's very important to listen to the words of people who are about to die. Because when you're about to die, you think about things like, I don't want any regrets. I want to come clean with any mistakes. I want to say it like it is. So when we get ready to read this, you got you to read this from the perspective of a man who's speaking to his sons a, a word that he will never get to say again because he's about to die. He's about to give it up. He's about to end this world. And so his, his wife, Rebecca has this kind of affection for Jacob rather than Esau. And so he basically, she says, let's set it up to where you get the, you get the blessing, not Esau. And they do this kind of a switcheroo, and you can read it yourself, but it's a crazy thing. They switch around, and he ends up, Jacob ends up dressing in clothes that belong to Esau, ends up putting some fur on his hand so he he, he actually feels like Esau. The only thing is he talked too much, and he almost gave it away. And he stands before him, and his father said to his son, he said, go out and get a a killing and bring it in, and and, and let's eat together, because I am about ready to speak a blessing to you. That's what he says. Well, Jacob comes in there, he, and he sneaks in before Esau gets back. The food is cooked, and they have a little bit of dialogue. And the father even says, are you really the guy? Are you really Esau? And he said, yes, I am. He lied. See, you have to understand, God is interested in blessing. Fathers are interested in blessing according to the pattern of the Scripture. So he began to, even though it was a, a, a season of, of, of a, a, you know, uh, a trickery, if you will, from Jacob, the father heart was pure. I'm grateful for a heavenly father that still blesses us in spite of our foolishness. I'm grateful that I have a father that blessed me and called me to follow him in spite of my foolishness. In spite of who I was. If you go to verse 26, you begin to pick up the blessing. I'm going to read just four or five verses here. And he said, verse 26, The father uh, Isaac said to him, now it's Jacob, thinking it's Esau, he said, Come near me now and kiss me, my son. Verse 27, He came near and kissed him and smelled the smell of his clothing and blessed him. And this is the blessing, and said, Surely the smell of my, sm- my son is like the smell of the field, which the Lord has blessed. Therefore, may God give you uh, uh, of the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and the plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you. The nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren. Let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be anyone who curses you, and blessed be those who bless you. That's his blessing. And as I studied that blessing earlier uh, this morning and this last month or two, as I began to, to pull all this together, I found basically three ingredients that I believe will challenge us as fathers, challenge us as people who love God to become a blessing to other people, a blessing to our children, no matter how old they are. Three ingredients in this blessing. The first one is this there was meaningful touch. Meaningful touch. Come here and kiss me. And it says, Jacob drew near and touched him and kissed him. Each of these these ingredients is an answer to a felt need from children and from the world around us. Each of these ingredients. The first one is meaningful touch, which is an answer to the lack of touch or abusive touch that people have experienced. I can guarantee you in a room this size today with, with men and women in this room, there have been people sitting here who have been touched wrong or not touched. Guarantee it. And the Father above is wanting us to know that there is a, there is a loving touch. There is a meaningful touch. There is a healthy touch. One of the things I've tried to do with my three children is, is have meaningful touch with them, not some weird touch. But a loving touch. There was a time when my daughter, Sarah, she was 13, 14. I wish she were here because she would laugh, I think. And, uh, it, but, but it's like she didn't want to touch me because I was another man. That was killing me because I hugged all the time my children. But for this season, and uh, instead of acting mature and thinking it was all about me, I waited and that I remember the times when she would come. I learned this from a guy named Stuart Briscoe. He said, you need to be ready on the level of the pace of your children, not always your demand for your children. And so I remember that day when she came and she said, Dad, let's go for a ride. I said, why? She said, I really want to talk to you. And, uh, and, and she hadn't, that was a time when she wasn't really hugging me and I was like dying most of the time. You know what I'm saying? But, but we went for a ride and we went up to Toronto and it was about a five hour ride in a car, and I'm not going to tell you what the issue was. But it was almost in the last 15 minutes of that five hour ride, she's sitting next to me in my car and she leans over and she and she tells me why she was talking to me. It took five hours. I could have done it in the driveway. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> And, and, and I came back, and as we came back, there she was talking to me, and I'll never forget it. She got out of the car and said, Dad, thanks for that word, and reached out and hugged me and touched me. Please listen to me. You need to have meaningful touch with your children. Come near me and kiss me. I cannot under, overstate the power of meaningful touch. I'll never forget the time before I was uh, had children I was visiting a family in our church, and and that family uh, had three children. And each of these children had three different types of personality. You know, uh, if you've read Gary, I think it's Gary Chapman's book on the five love languages, each one of them had different love languages. Uh, I I believe the son had... um, Excuse me, it was one of the daughters. She had um, uh, a gift of service, one of the daughters. And the son had uh, the gift of giving gifts. He bought me a twenty-two rifle, hallelujah. Here, pastor, you know, I came from here, you know, and I didn't have a gun, you know. You need a gun if you're gonna live up here, pastor, you know. (laughs) Up comes a gun, you know what I'm saying? So this kid, I mean, he's, oh, by the way, he was only 13 when he gave me the gun, you know what I'm saying? Ordered it himself, worked hard, and gave me a gun. That's my favorite gift of all my, no, not really. Okay, and then the the other daughter, she was a toucher. I remember when Carol and I would go over to the house, she would immediately, in particular, she wanted to hug Carol. She loved Carol. And every now and then she would reach over, hey, Pastor Chris, and she would hug me. When she got older, we followed that family and we watched that family grow up. When she got, she, she became a beautiful little girl. I'll never forget this. It, it was a time and, and a moment where I said, oh my gosh. And I didn't have children. I remember one day she came over and she plopped herself on her daddy's lap. You remember this? And she plopped herself on her daddy's lap and, 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 and uh, he stood up and dropped her on the floor and said to her, I don't want you to be affectionate because of that commercial it's on. I took him aside as a new pastor, and I said, let me tell you something. Let me tell you what will happen if you don't hug your daughter, if you don't let your daughter let you touch her. She will find touch somewhere else. We need to be dads who are willing to touch in a healthy, meaningful way. We need to be a church church That's more connected than they ever have the world out there through Facebook, through uh, Instagram, but people who still need a touch. We need to be a people of God who give away meaningful touch. It's part of the blessing. Jesus said, Who touched me? Who touched me? It was a lady who needed a healing. Who are you touching? The children came around and the disciples said, get the the kids out of here. And it says in Mark chapter 10, it says, Jesus says, no, don't, no, let the kids come next to me. And then it says this in verse 16, it says, and he touched them and prayed for them and blessed them. We need to be a people who touch, meaningful touch. Dads, look for ways to touch children. Church, look for ways to touch the world around you. Now, you know when there's somebody you shouldn't be touching. You know what I mean? I had people come into my church. They were like a clothesline. You don't touch them. You wait until they touch you. But you, there's people, you know what I'm saying? But you know how to read the room. And if you don't, you just need to not touch. If you don't know how to read the room, leave, leave people alone. You know what I'm saying? Just stay away. All right. But we have a world that's full of ugly touch. We need to be a church that knows how to give meaningful touch. It's called a father's blessing. The second ingredient of the father's blessing is words of affection and love. Words of affection and love. This answer is not the need to, to feel touched. This answer is the need to be accepted and appreciated. There's a whole world out there that's looking uh, for acceptance and appreciation. Children are looking for their fathers to show them appreciation. When I was a percussionist, when I was a drummer, I remember, man, everybody would come up afterwards. I was a good drummer, by the way. I played for the jazz choirs for Hampton High School. I played for Bethel High School, Phoenix. I played for all of them. I was a good drummer. Got it? But who did I want to please the most? My dad. My dad. Children are looking for fathers To say, hey, man, this is good stuff. Wow, the way you took those tubs were really awesome. You know what I'm saying? You got good chops. All those kinds of words I was looking for from everybody, but more than that, from one person. My dad. Paul affirmed Timothy. Don't let anybody look down on you, Tim. I don't care how old you are. We need fathers to speak into lives of the people around us. You ladies need to be, uh, be ready to bless people with affirmation, uh, words of affirmation, words of acceptance. Now, it, listen to this. This is the word of affirmation. This is gonna bless you right here. Watch this. This is the word of affirmation. Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field. Isn't that a blessing right there? <laughs> Please don't say that to anybody. Don't, don't go here. The Bible gave me a blessing for you. You know, I mean, the, the, you smell like a field. That just ain't going to do it. It's kind of like that other verse in Song of Solomon, where the, where the guy who's in love with his girlfriend, he says, honey, your hair is like a flock of goats. How many know that's not going to work for a second date right there? Come on, you know what I'm saying? Huh? But, but see, here, here, here you got to understand the scripture. Solomon was looking at those goats coming down the mountain, and he was in love He said, honey, when I see that goat's coming down that field like that, it reminds me of your wavy hair. That's what he was thinking of, because he was lovesick. And this guy here was saying to his son, he said, you're a hard worker. You have been blessed by God by the harvest. And he was speaking life into his son. He was complimenting his son for his dreams and his destiny. I have another sermon that I preach. I'm not going to preach it now because I'm preaching one other sermon. But it's entitled, encouragement that inspires, not just flatters. We do a whole bunch of encouragement. But let me tell you, the best kind of encouragement is when we take the time to discover somebody else's dream so that we can encourage them, not just flatter them. We need to have words of affirmation. We need to have meaningful touch. Dads, look for ways to give your kids a hug. Look for ways to give words of affirmation. Proverbs says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, they will not depart from it. I always used to think that meant train up a child in the way I want them to go. That's why we complain when the child comes out different. No, train up the child in the way you've discovered the way God has gifted that child. And fan on the flame and help them get there. Words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. Do you focus on the negative or the positive? Get four A's and one C. Which one do you focus on? I heard a great speaker say one time, if you got all A's because you already knew the information but got a D instead of an F because you learned something, the D represents more of your education than the A's that you got. Look for ways to encourage. Words of affirmation. We need to do that. People are walking around us all the time. Last but not least, words of assurance and promise. This answers the need to give people a hope and a future. This answers the need to give people a hope and a future. May God give you, he says, nations. May may nations serve you. May your brothers serve you. May people serve you. May those who curse you be cursed. May those who bless you be blessed. You got a good future ahead of you, son. You're going to be great. I have uh, three children, and I had seven employees at my, in my church. Now I have 21 employees, 146 missionaries, 186 churches, 917 credential holders, and this is one of the churches. My heart is to do whatever I can to come along and say, you got a great future. You got a great future here. My heart as as the president is not just to come and and just shake hands and preach and make you laugh. My heart is to pray for you as a church. You have no idea what this means to me to be here. Let me tell you what. This is one of the best churches we have at Elam. I'm telling you that. I don't say that everywhere because some things I can't say everywhere. (laughs) Are you with me? I'm not talking about you if you're listening. Okay? I'm going to get in trouble. I used to be the president. (laughs) I really believe in you. We need people to believe in us. We need people to believe in us. Look for ways to help people. I mean, I was just sitting here tonight as I was listening to that band, man. Oh, man, that was ripping. That was good stuff. I'm like, yeah. We need to catch some of that. We need to get some of that. I believe in you. And uh, my wife's favorite verse, you guys might know this, it's Jer- Jeremiah 29, 11. It says this in the New, Internet, or New Living Translation. It says, I know the plans I have for you, plans for good and not disaster, to give you a future and a hope. The New King James Version says it this way, I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Changes the word to think instead of plans. Actually, I did a study recently on that word plans. It means I know the purpose I have for you. Not just a plan, I have a purpose. I know the thoughts that I have and think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil. To give you a future and to give you a hope. I just think it's cool that God's thinking of you. I'm talking about you. God is thinking about you. That's pretty cool, isn't it? I mean, I think me, you got kind of China to think about. You know, you got this... Massacre going on in Orlando. I mean, and he's thinking about you. He's thinking about me. He's thinking about you. He's thinking about you. He has the capacity to think about everybody as if you're the only one he's thinking about. It's amazing. I know the thoughts that I have here. Not, see, that word, if you check it out, it doesn't mean this. This is the real meaning of that word. I alone know the plans. The devil doesn't know the plans. Your father doesn't know the plans. Watch this, you don't know the plans. And he's thinking about you. I never thought this would happen to me. I become a president. Never. I'm serious. You have no idea. If you knew my history, you would know what I'm talking about. But guess what? He knows the thoughts he has for you. His thoughts are higher than you. His thoughts are higher than you. Watch this one. My favorite verse. You heard my wife's. This is mine. And it's better. He can do more than you can think or imagine. See, God has his best mind in you. And every person you're walking by, you could say that too. Now, don't freak them out. But you can begin to think about how can I speak blessing into my children? How can I speak blessing into the people that I'm around? By meaningful touch. By words of affirmation and acceptance. And also by this words of assurance and promise. God has a promise for all of you. I think God wants to lead us into blessing people. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come back up as I kind of wind this little, uh, this, this, this message up. On this Father's Day, I just really believe with all my heart that God wants to bless you. I've been a blessed person. I really mean it. I mean, a really blessed person. I have a, an amazing wife. I really know what it means to marry up. I have wonderful children. I mean, really wonderful children. My, 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 my son has just got married. Uh, they've been married 10 months to a wonderful daughter-in-law. And, uh, you know, my, 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 my daughter, she was my prized possession. I have a picture of me holding her, the day she was born, minutes after she was born, it must have been at least 15 minutes after she was born, I cut the cord, said, step aside, doctor. And I held her in my hands, and I said, I don't know who the man is that's going to come along and take her, but wherever he is, I'm going to pray for you every day. And I committed every single day to pray for the man that married my daughter. And I, I, she married an amazing man. My daughter is an incredible leader. She was a leader in kindergarten. And I thought, whoever marries her is going to have to be very patient. And she married a man of God who's a great leader, but very patient. Amen? Because I prayed that in. <laughs> oh, God, I couldn't help it. say that. If you're hearing this, Sarah, I do love you. All right. Listen, I want you to stand with me. If you could, I just want to do something before I turn it back over to your pastor. I, have, I want to repeat this now. Listen to this. Let me challenge you fathers. How many of you fathers? Raise your hand because I didn't see because I was on the front row. I am so glad they didn't do the push-up thing tonight. Oh, Jesus. If you would have seen a dead whale on the beach, it would have been me. I'll tell you right there. Oh. But listen, dads. Listen. Listen. Join me, will you? Join me in looking for ways to bless your children. Look for ways to bless your kids. Maybe for you, you haven't touched them or meaningful touch. But maybe you need to reach out and say, hey, son, give me a hug. I don't care how old he is. Maybe you need to give him a hug. Ain't nothing like it. My daughter, I used to go to her soccer game. Please don't listen to this, Sarah. But she couldn't play soccer. She was a good athlete, but she just couldn't play soccer. I loved her to pieces, but I went to every single soccer game with her. Let me tell you why. Because when she came off the field after only being let in there for about five minutes because she wasn't that good, you know what they do when, when you're not good? You sit, right? But you know, I, I, I just would there, and let me tell you why I was there. Because no matter what, she was proud about that five minutes, and I wanted to be prouder of her for that five minutes. And I hugged her when she came off that field. Both me and my wife would be there. Why? Because meaningful touch, words of affirmation, and words of assurance, and for the promise of the future, matter. Now, let me give you a promise as a church. If you want to receive this, and you're into it, just take your hands out and say, "God, I want this." Here it is, you've heard it before. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and may he give you peace. Now let me say it in a newer version. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favor And if you need it, may he give you peace. It's my honor and privilege to be with you. Thank you so much. God bless you. Pastor.